What's up, everyone? It's Luke Munger with Dogman.com, joined, as always, by intern extraordinaire Jack McCauley. Um, before a matchup, obviously needs very little introduction. Oregon-Washington game, 113th meeting uh, between the two schools. Washington all-time, 60-47-5. and five. Thought I'd add that in there. Um, looking to make that a good point. Good point. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, they're hosting the fourth ranked Ducks at home on what figures to be a wet, windy, cold afternoon on Saturday. Uh, Jack, what's your excitement level for this matchup? Uh, I think it's cleared past 10 already. Um, if I could eclipse 10, it's there. You know, it's, it's Oregon week, it's Tate week. Um, being a student here right now, too, you can just feel it in the air. You know, people always talking about it, people getting excited for the game. The only thing I'm wishing is hoping for some good weather. I know it's probably not in the cards that I'm hoping to pull an ace out of the hole, get get some good weather, you know, make it a fun game, and hopefully, you know, Washington, we can see them come out with a win. Yeah, you know, but is there any desire for, you know, that dog weather soaked to the bone in the Husky Stadium, uh, you know? Uh, you know, in the video uh, at the beginning, they play at the beginning of the game sometimes. Oh, yeah, yeah. A place where the elements aren't inv- avoided but embraced as an advantage. Never mind. We don't I, have I to get all Jaws. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. But cool. Jack, uh, obviously, Oregon 7-1. and one. They're a solid team. I'll kick off talking about their offense. Um, Oregon, typically, in recent years, is a team we've associated with speed. Uh not that this team doesn't have a ton of speed, but I would say that this is a very physical offense. They run the ball really well, particularly between the tackles. Uh, even without C.J. Verdell, they have Travis Dye. Travis Dye is just a really good football player. Um, he's 5'10", 190 pounds. He doesn't look super physical, um, but he's a pretty physical runner. He's tough to bring down, and he's incredibly shifty. Um, so he's their lead back. They run for 205 yards per game, over five yards per carry, and he'll be the guy carrying the majority of that load. He also catches the ball well out of the backfield. He's definitely a guy to keep an eye on uh, this game. Out wide, they have a number of playmakers. Devin Williams has really emerged as a playmaker recently, 6'5", sophomore. Uh, he has 14 receptions over the last three games in almost 250 yards at six, five. He's a perpetual mismatch. Micah Pittman is another guy who's a playmaker over 16 yards per reception, dangerous with the ball in his hands, but he can also beat you deep. Um, and then just from there, they have a number of other receivers as well. Troy Franklin is a name that obviously many Husky fans will remember Jalen red, Johnny Johnson, the third, those are a couple of veterans in the receiving core at tight ends. They throw the ball to their tight ends as well. Terrence Ferguson, Maliki Matavau, another name that Huskies might remember, are in the mix for a tight end group that has over 25 catches this year, over four touchdowns, or four touchdowns total. My apologies through the air. And uh, yeah, Anthony Brown. Anthony Brown is a guy who I know people down in Eugene. There's a group of fans in Eugene who aren't super fond of Anthony Brown. Anthony Brown is, I would say, a solid quarterback. He's... By Pro Football Focus, ranked eighth in the Pac-12, so middle to middle back of the pack. Um, however, here are a few things about him: averaging over eight yards per reception, uh, eleven to three touchdown to interception ratio, and he also can run the ball pretty well. Um, so Anthony Brown, at his best, is a guy who can get the ball to his playmakers without turning the ball over, and can extend plays with his legs and can even hurt you with them sometimes. Uh, so that's what you're looking at there. 
Along the offensive line, really good in the middle where they run the ball a lot. Their tackles, Stephen Jones, uh, and I don't know why I'm blanking on the other guy. Is it George Moore at left tackle? At least according to PFF, haven't been sensational this year. Um, if the Huskies are able to get into third and medium, third and long situations, you might be able to see the likes of Zion Tupola, Fatui, make some plays in the backfield against some tackles that haven't been super effective this year. Uh, But early downs, the Ducks are going to run it at the Huskies. And if they run the ball to their capabilities, it'll be tough for the Huskies to slow them down. Sounds like once again, the name of the game is Washington stopping the run and being able to get Oregon in third and long situations where they're able to make Anthony Brown throw, get some pressure, um, hopefully create some havoc back there. How well do you see Oregon being able to run the ball? Because from the outside in, it seems like Oregon is a team similar to UCLA where they have a, guy, a mobile quarterback as long as well as a strong running attack with, you know, Travis Dye in the backfield. Certainly. Yeah. I think Oregon, I, I honestly, I think they'll be able to run the ball pretty darn well. They're really, they're just so good in the middle. They're physical. Um, and the Huskies have had, I mean, I thought Tuli Lutuli Nasanoa, uh, as well as Voy Tuna Ufi obviously had great games against Stanford um, I believe I could be crazy with Sam Taimani back in the mix against Stanford. Um, but the Huskies, like I, they've started to play better in the middle, but I think that this, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. This is a really solid TJ Bass is the top rated offensive lineman in the PAC 12, or at least interior offensive lineman. Uh, they're road graders they, they can move people around. Um, and I think, I don't know, Washington if they play well, I think might be able to slow them down, but I still think Oregon will run for over a hundred yards, you know, and will oftentimes be playing in front of the sticks and give Anthony Brown at the worst third and manageable. Carson Bruner obviously had an explosive game last week against yeah. Stanford down in Palo Alto, uh, Jackson Sherman right next to him. What, do you, how, how well do you think those two are going to have to play if Washington wants to come out with an upset victory over the number four team in the country? Yeah, you know, they're going to have to be great. You guys can't see this, but on video right now, Kim is peering over Jack's shoulder and giving me giving me a funky look. But <laughs> I think uh, I think Carson Bruner and, and Jackson Sermon are going to have to step up and play some great football. Um, I, I think the biggest thing is to, even if it's a few yards past the line of scrimmage, uh, because the offensive line of Oregon is able to push Washington back a little bit, is going to need to come up and make tackles. If they're on their heels, kind of maybe like, I don't know, catching up to Travis dies, he's starting to turn the corner and dragging him down. That's going to turn what could be a three yard carry into seven or eight. Uh, so I think like, and I think Carson Bruno did a great job of this last week, but coming downhill, trying to meet people in the hole. Um, it'll be important for Jackson Sermon, Carson Bruner, Daniel Hamuli, and others to be able to do that this weekend. Most definitely. Uh, and, you know, like you kind of mentioned before, uh, Troy Brown isn't the most effective quarterback when, you know, put in third and long situations. His arm ha- hasn't been exceptional this year, I guess. So, you know, if Washington is able to get him in those situations, you know, obviously Oregon has a number of playmakers at running back, wide receiver, tight end and such. How effective do you think Washington's oh, yeah. secondary? Do you think they'll be able to hold up against um, Anthony Brown and company on through the air? Yeah, that's a good question. I think they will. Um, obviously, like I mentioned, there's a number of talented uh, playmakers out wide. I think what the Huskies will do if they get Oregon in passing situations is do what they can to make Anthony Brown uncomfortable. 
Um, Anthony Brown, like I've said before, can be with his legs. So if he's able to evade situations where you might be bringing an extra DB, maybe for like a nickel blitz or something for Bookie Radley Hiles, uh, he might be able to maybe then burn you for 10-15 if you don't do that. However, I think putting him under duress uh, will be big for the Huskies because the Huskies also have ball hawks in the secondary. If he's delivering a ball maybe off his back foot or on the run, there's opportunities for the Huskies to force some takeaways. Also, I think if the Huskies, like I mentioned, where Oregon, I guess, has been weakest this year has been at the tackle spots, I think they'll be able to bring pressure. Zion Tupel, Fatui will need to take advantage of opportunities to get after Anthony Brown. Um, but yeah, I think the Huskies will be able to hold up in the passing game. They're the best pass defense in the country by yards per game. Uh, and even against a talented second, or uh, I guess receiving core, I think Washington will be able to get the job done. Awesome. Thank you for that breakdown there. We're going to take a look at the <coughs> defensive side of the ball there. Um, you can't mention Oregon's defense without mentioning Kayvon Thibodeau, former five-star recruit, number two out of high school, according to 24-7 Sports. He's a projected top three, top five draft pick. He has been nothing short of sensational thus far this year. He's second in the team in tackling with 25, seven and a half for loss. And that's what's uh, being banged up a little bit too. Um, there is no question he is insanely talented. So Washington will have their hands full with him. You know, offensive line tackles. Um, they have to have some of their best games this year. Jackson Kirkland, uh, ho- hopefully returning this week, uh, been spotted at practice. So that is a good sign for Washington. Uh, so having that experience there is definitely big. Uh, also on the D, D line, Kion Ware Hudson. Um, it, is another big guy and Popo Amavai. They are two. They are both well over the 300 mark. Popo is sitting at 340, and he's real athletic for a size too. Just a great space eater. Um, so Washington will have trouble running the ball on them, I believe. Sean McGrew, he's gonna have to be really influential, influential in the backfield. I expect them to run a lot of screens, get their guys in space, linebackers and DBs, especially as the strength of this defense really is on the. On the, on the line of scrimmage for the Ducks there. Um, and Brandon Dorius, he's the other defensive end there. Not as dominant as Thibodeau, still managed to get in the backfield for five and a half tackles for a loss on the season so far. So Washington, if it isn't clear, they got to be able to try and run the ball real well because Oregon, they don't give up much there. But where they do give up some is in the secondary. You know, the, Noah Sewell, he's a great playmaker. He is their leading tackler with 69 already on the season. He's explosive. He finds the ball. Uh, just has a knack for just reading plays and flushing them out, creating havoc. And he's 20 ahead of their next guy, Michael Wright. So Noah Sewell is going to be everywhere on the field. But that, next to him, Mesa Funa and Jeffrey Bassa, they're a little bit more suspect. They've been prone to giving up some short passes over the middle, missing some tackles, uh, which has been known to extend the sticks for other teams. So Kate Ott and Devin Culp, I think, I think you're going to have to look to them a lot, get them over the field, some of the bigger guys in the room, have them be able to use their legs, make some plays, extend ex- extend the chains. Jalen McMillan, Terrell Bynum also going to have to be really effective. Their corners and safeties, this is where it gets a little bit dicey for Oregon. They've been really effective at some points during the year, as you saw during Ohio State, really shut down C.J. Stroud, a tough Ohio State Buckeye offense, to limited yards, you know, to, you know, they're averaging over 30, well over 30 points per season. They were able to hold them to a pretty solid day and come out of Columbus with a win. But, you know, other days you'd see them like Stanford, you know, Stanford dominated them through the air. 
Um, Colorado, even last week, a uh, little bit lesser of a team, but they still had their moments where they extended plays that should have gone for seven, eight yards to 15, 20. So, and that's on the cornerback and linebackers there. So I think Washington's really got to use the middle of the field and create plays with their wide receivers and their playmakers. If Bill Morris is able to find them and they're able to maximize their playmaking, Washington should be in a decent chance, decent position to keep the game close. Uh, DJ James, Jamal Hill, and Dante Manning are, and, and Michael Wright are the four guys back there who I believe are the most effective. Dante Manning is a five-star true freshman out of Missouri. He's had his moments this year. He's just coming off a little bang up from last week, as well as DJ James and Jamal Hill. So the secondary is a little banged up. So Washington can needs to play really physical. And if they're able to play real physical, keep the line of scrimmage in check, um, they could be doing pretty well offensively. A couple other names to look out for are Steve Stevens and Verone McKinley. Uh, they're two safeties back there for Oregon. They're pretty good at defending the run. Uh, the pass, you know, they, they do tend to miss some tackles over there. So Washington, I think you got to be able to get guys in space on bubble screens, some short passing yards, and just let them work. Awesome. Great. Thanks for that breakdown, Jack. So obviously you started up front, uh, which is where it obviously starts for this Oregon defense. They've got some big bodies. Um, but an interesting spot that I wanted to ask about is kind of in the linebacker room. Obviously, Noah Sewell, huge household name in the Pac-12. Um, Isaac Slade Mautatia was a starter last year that transferred out of the program. They lost Justin Flo to injury. Um, how has Oregon been able to kind of replace that? Is that something that the Huskies can look to exploit after running the ball effectively with Cam Davis and Sean McGrew? Yeah, yeah. I think they can definitely look to exploit that area especially Justin Flo, you know, losing him. He's a guy who's almost irreplaceable right now. He's been just – he's been a monster. He was a monster for them earlier on in the season. So, you know, that's an area they really have to attack. You know, keep things away from Noah Sewell, use some misdirection. But look to the other side of the linebackers, you know. Don't don't be don't be surprised, too. You know, this I, a little off topic here. Don't be surprised, too, to see them hit Kayvon Thibodeau every single play. Get him, you know, <laughs> the pass plays, tight ends leaking out, bang. He's going to get hit. I think you, you really need to just beat on him all game, wear him down so he's not as effective in the pa- in the rushing game or passing game, or passing game for that matter. Um, but linebacker room, I think that's an area Washington really has to try to go to in uh, as they are a little bit thinner there. Awesome. And thanks for touching on that. Obviously, one of the things I was curious about is like, how do you neutralize a dynamic threat like Kayvon Thibodeau? You mentioned as well this Oregon secondary has been where they've been beatable in the past. I think they're 10th in the Pac-12 in pass defense. Um, But the Huskies, even in their solid offensive kind of performance where they're able to get the ball going or get get things rolling on the ground a little bit against Stanford, uh, it really wasn't until the final drive that Dima's 20-yard rainbow to Jalen McMillan to to seal the deal for the Huskies. Other than that, the Huskies had kind of limited success throwing the ball. How can the Huskies – on a kind of a wet afternoon, look to take advantage of this defense or the secondary? You know, it is going to be wet. So I think you're going to have to run the ball more, but I think that means short passes when you are throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to be able to, like I kind of said earlier, get your short passes, get your playmakers in, in space to mm-hmm. make those plays, create good, good blocks for them to have them hold up effectively. And hopefully those plays can go for a decent amount of yards. I wouldn't be surprised if you see some end arounds um, to Giles Jackson, you know, letting him use his speed. Uh, you know, Romo Dunze getting him. He's been very good on those slants and bubble screens this year. So I think those two guys are going to be critical for Washington this week, especially Giles Jackson. He hasn't had much of 
an opportunity this year to really showcase the speed and hasn't been utilized yeah. a ton. But I think this is a game where it's going to be real wet and you're going to have to come up with a lot of different concepts in order to, in order to come away with the win here. Certainly. Yeah. And you mentioned, especially in the middle of kind of the secondary, there have been some issues. Uh, Verone McKinley, one guy in particular, he has three picks. One was against Oregon and two against Stony Brook. Uh, but since then, uh, doesn't even have, or he had two pass breakups against UCLA, but since that Stony Brook game, those are the only times he's gotten a hand on the ball. So kind of a ball hockey guy, but it, are, it sounds like maybe in this like middle of the secondary, these are guys that maybe swing and miss sometimes try to come up yeah, for a big hit or get after the ball. Yeah. They're real, like in a, in a different way, they're real, you know, they could be the real consistent or real inconsistent. It's just what day is, what day is, what kind of Oregon mm-hmm. secondary is showing up? Is yeah. it the kind we saw against Ohio State and earlier in the season, or is it the secondary we've seen these last couple of games? Which one are we going to see? You know, when if it's the, the the secondary we've seen earlier on in the season, those guys come up, they make hard hard hits, and they they finish those those hits. But you know, recently they've been coming up and making those plays just a t- tad late, trying to come up with those, you know, trying to take those home run jacks, and have been pulling pulling a Logan Morrison. You know, Lomo pulling a little Lomo strikeout. That's that's what we've been seeing. <laughs> a little Mariners reference for you there, but you know, it's, they swing for the fences. Sometimes they'll hit it. Sometimes they'll get it. Awesome. So, I guess wet afternoon on the does this play into Oregon's favor just writ large, not just offense, defense, a team that runs the ball, a team that's effective against the run. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I'm gonna kind of lead into my confidence intervals yeah, here um, with this. You know, it is going to be a wet afternoon, and kind of Luke, like you mentioned, Oregon's a very good run, running offense. They they go right at you, and they go between the tackles extremely well. Washington's been very poor at defending that this season, and then on the flip side, Washington's had a little bit of trouble running the ball. Their offensive line hasn't been as effective, where Oregon's defensive line has been extremely effective. And I think that just, and you know, with the conditions that we have, I just don't know if that sets up the best recipe for success here. But with that being said, it is a rivalry game. They are a similar offense to UCLA in the sense mm-hmm. that they run a lot and they have a dynamic quarterback who can use their legs. It doesn't necessarily throw the ball well. I think it's going to be a close game. But I think my confidence interval ultimately sits around four, four and a half, or four and a half right now. Oregon's number four in the country for a reason. And it's yeah. because of how dominant they've been. Um, I think it's going to be a really close game. You know, especially as of late, they've always been playing these two teams have been playing each other real close lately. I just don't know if Washington has the the firepower offensively to keep up with Oregon. Yeah. Now piggybacking off of that, I think Washington we've seen this year has the defense to keep games competitive. You know, you saw in the UCLA game, the Huskies were able to stick around and even had a chance to tie it in the fourth against a similar offense. I think even though you might think a wet atmosphere would play to the favor of a team that runs the ball or stops the run a little better. However, I think that will just kind of add to the sloppiness of what I think will be a pretty low scoring, ugly game. Um, In rivalry week, like you said, I think is another thing. It'll be a hostile environment. Um, Oregon has a lot to lose. The Huskies, not so much. Right. So Gosh, you know, my confidence interval, probably, like you said, right around a four, four and a half. Um, that said, I, I've kind of picked or I've kind of uh, found myself in this uh, optimist role in the predi- or prediction. So you'll see in the predictions when they come out that, uh, you know, my prediction might be favorable for the dogs. 
that, but my confidence interval, I think, is more indicative of the fact I don't necessarily think that, like Jack said, I think the Huskies can keep it close defensively. I'm not positive that if the Huskies have a fourth quarter deficit in the rain, they have what it takes to go and like just grab victory, I guess. Exactly. It's like if they get down, I don't know if they're going to be able to, I don't know if the, how much juice they're going to have to make some plays. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a couple of deep balls in, in there just to throw Oregon off a little bit, you know, some trick plays. I don't know what they're going to do, but I wouldn't be, be surprised if Jimmy Lake drums up some of those. Yeah, it's great. Well, like we said, rivalry week, super excited for the game on Saturday, 4.30 kick, pregame, postgame, in-game coverage, dogman.com. Jack and the crew just finished covering Washington's exhibition basketball game against Central Washington. Hoops officially kicks off on Tuesday against Northern Illinois. Uh, so there will be a lot of content for the rest of 2021 and into 2022 related to Husky athletics. Uh, so keep your eyes to dogman.com. Jack, thanks for taking the time and go dogs. Go dogs.